0: Y'all ready for the word? All right, the rest of you can leave. How many of you are ready for the word? Awesome. Um, I want to speak to you for a few minutes on playing to the whistle. Playing to the whistle. And as I said earlier, I want to welcome all of those cheerleaders, football players, coaches, moms and dads from the Milton High School football feeder program. Um, And I want to especially honor and say thank you to Brent Bashar. Coach Brent, would you stand? Um, This is one of our church family members right here, Coach Brent. Brent is a great man of God. We got to know each other 15 or 20 years ago as we were coaching football on opposing teams. I've come to love him. Squad Sunday, as many of you in Milton, the whole program, you probably have already learned that it is a tradition that was started by Coach Bear Bryant over in Alabama. Years ago, I don't even know, 60s or 70s, he took his football team to an African-American church. Sylvester Croom's father was a pastor in the Tuscaloosa area. And this was long before people, cultures came together, especially in the South on Sunday mornings. I find it interesting that he is one of the most, if not the most revered college football coach of all time. The current one in Alabama is threatening that legacy, but they'll both go down in the College Football Hall of Fame. I find it interesting that he started every football season doing this, and he won more national championships than anyone else. Perhaps God was honored and God blessed. Coach Brent was part of one of those teams way back when and it touched him so profoundly that for many years he has done this. And so we are honored to have all of you and I welcome you as I wanna share from God's word on the idea of playing to the whistle. Now, football is an amazing sport. In my estimation, I've played football, I've played and coached football, I played basketball, and I still play with some old Falcons and some former college players play basketball. Football is the greatest team sport there is for a number of reasons, and we'll talk about some of those. Um, our boys, uh, some of our fondest memories are the memories that we have on the football field. So many life lessons, more than you all will even be able to grasp right now as you're learning them but in the years to come you're going to look back and be amazed at the things that you learned playing football teamwork how to come under authority listen attentively to a coach do what the referee says play by the rules work together overcome adversity how to press through when you don't feel like you can go another down how to make it through August practices when you are so thirsty you would drink anything liquid, anything, almost anything. Been that thirsty? And there's so many lessons that you're going to learn. Um, There were many of us growing up that football was an outlet for young men because it was like legalized, disobedience it was legalized fighting bullying and um, in fact coaches teach you to play to the whistle Um, and those who have a little dog in them they go a second or two after the whistle anybody know what anybody got a little dog in you you know what I'm talking about and as long as the ref will let you you do that and if you don't play to the whistle you can get your chin strap knocked loose it can be a dangerous sport if you stop before the whistle. Um, Stone, who read the uh, worship declaration this morning, he was, it was his first year of football. Stone, his second year, started playing quarterback and was in the backfield, but his first year, he was a tight end. How many of you thank God for offensive linemen? You should. All you quarterbacks and running backs should be saying it right now because offensive linemen bless their hearts they never get their name or number called unless they've got a penalty on them. And then nobody cheers for them. The team looks at them, the camera goes on them, you know, it's just terrible. So Stone, Stone has always been a very coachable kid until he became a teenager, and then we had to coach him at a whole nother level. But back then, um, before he realized girls and all the other stuff, he, he was truly, if you told him, Stone, here's what the job is, Here's how you do it. Here's how, whatever. And so we taught the kids, play to the whistle. Everybody say it with me. Play to the whistle. You'd be halfway through the season and have to show kids video film. And they're like, I did. And they're like, no, you didn't. You became a spectator halfway through the play. Sometimes offensive linemen will fire off and they want to see what the running back's doing. And they want to watch the play. And that can be dangerous. And kids, you have to work with them. Stone, one of his, he was six years old. It was his first season. And we had told, taught them how to block, stay on your man. You got to know who to block, yada, yada, yada. And, and I, we had gone over and gone over and gone over. And we said, play to the whistle. Well, we were in one of the early games in that season and we were, were reviewing film of a long touchdown run. Kid named J.D. took it 70 yards or so. And um, the play is long gone. And Stone has that defensive end. I'll never forget. It was over on the right side. And he's got that defensive end. he's locked up and blocking him. And he's staying with him, like in his face, in his grill, blocking, 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 blocking. Block. And the guy's running. And the guy's 30, 40, 50 yards down past Stone. And Stone's got him all the way now between him. And, and the, the, pan of the video panned out, and we could see what Stone was doing. And it was like the poor defensive end was like, bro, would you please get out of my face? The referee's doing... And Stone's like, I haven't heard the whistle. And the kid's like, you're so far away, you can't hear the whistle. Please let me go. And that's and for years, every year in older football, when we were teaching kids how to play to the whistle, we would bring that little video clip, even as it got into middle school and older. And we would say, this is what it looks like when you play to the whistle. There's a lot... For those of you who didn't play, who didn't play football and um, you may, what, what does that mean? When the ball is snapped and everybody needs to know what the count is on, when the fire off, you play until the referee blows the whistle and that means that play is over. Then you stop, go back in the huddle. And so this morning, as we're looking at our lives and we look at scripture, the apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, there's a beautiful passage of scripture Verse 24, you can look on the screen and see it with me, says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a a crown that will last forever forever. How many of you are thankful that this is going to have a huge payoff? We play to the whistle out there. So we do it not for a crown or a trophy that will pass away, but one that will last forever. Verse 26, Paul says, Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. In a race, he says, everyone runs, but only one of the runners gets the prize. And Paul says, everybody listen, run in such a way to get the prize. Be in it to win it. Have the mentality that you're going all out, that you're going to give it everything you've got because you're running to win this thing. Everyone runs, but only one gets the prize. You know, a game in life has four quarters. The score at halftime Is not really that important. I mean, it's great to be ahead or at least be within striking distance, but no one wins a football game at halftime. No one wins a game if they have more points at the end of of three quarters. And the fourth quarter is often where a game is won or lost. They say about the Masters Golf Tournament, it doesn't even start until the back nine on Sunday because that fourth quarter, right before the wh- the final whistle sounds, right before they crown the winner and who gets, decide who gets to wear the green jacket. It's a different feeling. It's a different atmosphere when you're playing to win. We're in, in our culture and in our lives, many of us, we're in a fourth quarter. And it's okay if you feel... A little bit behind. There's still time on the clock, and you can pull this thing out. How many of you are going to decide you're going to keep playing until you hear the whistle sound? Paul says here, "Run to win, get the prize mentality." Second thing he says, everyone who competes, they go into strict training. And that's what's getting ready to happen in these football players and these cheerleaders. There's a lot of work that goes in to playing on the weekends. Ryan Kerrigan, I'm an old Washington Redskins fan, grew up in Northern Virginia, so and I still call them the Redskins. Forgive me, hell to the Redskins, because I grew up in the 80s where Joe Gibbs won three Super Bowls, one of them in the early 90s. Ryan Kerrigan, it was just announced on ESPN, and it came across, I got a notification, notification, notification. On my ESPN app, that Ryan Kerrigan had decided to retire after 11 years in the NFL. Knee issues, his, his knee problems had made it easier for him to retire. He was a player who said football factored into every decision he made, down to what he ate for breakfast in the offseason. Paul says, Those that run to win, they enter into some serious training. The third thing that we see in this passage is, as I mentioned earlier, they compete for a crown that won't last. The trophy, if you win it all, the Georgia Middle School Athletic Association trophy and you're the champions, that'll be a great thing. Enjoy it. But understand, that's a crown Or a trophy that one day it'll fade away. And Paul said, But we run, we compete for a crown that will last forever. And that's more important than football, than championships. And so he said, The last thing, don't run aimlessly. Verse 26. The message translation says this in verse 26. I don't know about you, but I'm running for the finish line. How many of you are running for the finish line? Come on, how many of you are running to finish? You're not just in the race. You, you know where the finish line is. I don't know about you, but I'm running for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. Everything I've got. No lazy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, taking a playoff stopping and spectating when i'm supposed to be participating you see playing to the whistle effectively play after play gives you the greatest opportunity to win when the final whistle is sounded to end the game to effectively play to the whistle consistently You need to do these three things, and then I want to add one at the end. The first thing that you guys have to do, in all of us, in all of life, is you, number one, need to know your position. As I said earlier, football is perhaps the greatest team sport there is because, listen, it's 11 people doing 11 different things all at the same time. One great defensive coordinator said, to stop the offense if you are a defensive player all you have to do is one eleventh of the job and if the other 10 will do their job they'll have to punt and we'll get the ball back and i want to say to all of you adults your playing days are long be- be gone, long behind you it's been a long time since you've worn a cheerleading skirt or you never have i would ask you Do you know your position? Because it's it's the same thing that's true in in an individual's life. You've got to know your calling. You've got to know your assignment in your marriage, in your family, in your career. Even in our church family, our church life, we need to know our assignment. It's important to know, to know your position, your calling in life. It's important for you to be in God's will, in your position. Do you know it? Romans chapter 12, verse two, in the New Living Translation says this. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You've got to know your position. There were, there was a, a blonde-headed lady who got pulled over for speeding on the freeway. And um, she was pulled over by a female police officer who happened to be blonde as well. And when she walked up to the lady's car, she asked for her driver's license. And the lady who was driving, the blonde driver who was getting ready to get a ticket for exceeding the speed limit, she fumbled around her pocketbook and she couldn't find her license and so she looked up nervous and she asked the police officer what does it look like she said it's a little rectangle with a, a, a picture of you on it and she she found her little makeup mirror, uh makeup mirror that happened to be a rectangle and she's like oh wow that's there it is and so she looked at it and she handed it to the officer and the officer looked at it and saw herself and she handed it back and she said okay You're free to go. I didn't realize you are a police officer too. You may have to help somebody next to you. So the first thing, you have to play to the whistle effectively to be ahead and win the game at the final whistle. And you've got to know your position. The second thing is, You've got to be able to deal with distractions. During a football game, there are all kinds of distractions. People don't know this, but there are games within the game. There's trash talking. There are referees making calls. Some of them are fair. Some of them are for you, and they're not fair, but you take them. Some of them are against you, but you take them. There's a lot of things that distract you during the game. Just like life. And learning how to deal with distractions is a big deal in life. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like there are so many stinking distractions. Things are happening right now in our world that threatens our peace of mind All the time. And many of us have one of these things. And we haven't learned how to silence the notifications. And so we get alerts all the time. Text messages come in. Facebook posts to make and read. And after we make a Facebook post, we want to know how many like it. Who likes it? And what are their comments? And so we expose ourselves and making these posts and being distracted all the time. ESPN alerts, Instagram posts, TikToks, emails, myspace.com account notifications still come in for some of us. And the average person, listen, is distracted or interrupted every 40 seconds when working in front of their computer in other words we can't work for even a single minute before we focus on something else it's hard to get back on track and research shows this that it can take more than 20 minutes to refocus so we need to create for ourselves a a distraction free ritual with so many distractions competing for our attention we need to tame as many as we can in advance before they happen. We need a distraction-free mode. Many of us need to learn how to create a distraction, an ideal environment where we can hunker down and focus on our most important complex task, And that will help us tremendously for my distraction-free mode I put on noise-counseling headphones. How many of you are thankful for noise-counseling headphones? Even when you're not listening to anything in particular, it frees you from having to listen to anyone in particular. Sometimes I leave my phone and tablet in another room, grab a coffee, and I have a do-not-disturb sign that I put on my office door often. Brothers and sisters, Football players, cheerleaders, distractions can kill you. And the enemy is the master of creating distractions that cause us to lose our focus and make us terribly ineffective. Proverbs chapter 4, let's see what the word says to us about dealing with distractions. Verse 25 and 27, Solomon says, let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you do not swerve to the right or to the left turn your foot away from evil I want to pray a prayer for all of us right now that even in this sermon there are distractions that come some of you no doubt have received a text message no doubt there are people here who have things that or on your to-do list this week, or things you got to fix from last week, or relationships that have gone south. And what the enemy wants to do is not let you be in here for 60 or 75 minutes with no distractions. But what God wants us to do is to learn how to set our eyes on the prize. And we need, as North Atlantans, to be able to get a few minutes distraction-free Where we can focus on the goodness of God, the love of God, so that we can enjoy the presence of God. Anybody out there listening to what I'm saying this morning? So Father, I pray that you would help us to be single-minded, not double-minded. Help us to learn how to be focused. Help us to do what Philippians 4 verse 8 says. Help us to learn how to focus on things that are true, noble, excellent, praiseworthy, admirable lovely help us to focus father in the name of jesus we pray thirdly the last thing i want to talk to you about is you've got to learn as football players to overcome fatigue like right now some of you that are wanting to lay back and get a few minutes sleep nudge somebody and say he's talking to the person on the other side of you hit them hard you've got to overcome fatigue how many of you adults you've you been tired this week anybody tired of dealing with the stuff that we're dealing with as a nation anybody tired of COVID in the pandemic Dr. Fauci <laughs> anybody just just tired we're all tired and the enemy uses fatigue being tired physically emotionally spiritually dry it can be so exhausting um, I used to be more of a distance runner than I am right now. Um, but I did run the Atlanta Marathon in 1999. I run, I like four and five mile runs. I don't like 18 and 20 mile runs. But I do like to run and there is a thing called a runner's high. It's a real deal. It's, it's a real high. Um, my first marathon, I learned a lot. I ran over 800 miles in training for that first marathon. And um, I learned some things that if, if a marathon can kill you, you can get injured like seriously. And a lot of people do as they increase their miles. But I had to learn to overcome fatigue. I can remember one of the first things I had to learn here training in the summer for a fall marathon that when you go out for 17, 18, 19 miles, your body is depleted of the stuff it needs. And so the first thing you put in your body can cause your body to react in a very negative, painful way. And cramps, cramps are serious. Have anybody ever been seized by a cramp? I'm talking like controlled. Um, it wasn't long ago before I came down with COVID, um, I had gone on a long run, didn't get enough liquids into my system. And... Um, I had cramps so bad both of my hamstrings cramped that I passed out while Candace was trying to hold me. I hit my head on our nightstand. It was like crazy. You know, being fatigued, you you got to learn how to keep your body strong. I know you're looking at me like you you needed a coach. I know I did. I didn't have one. And Lord Jesus, I nearly died. Then I went to run the race and in our church we had raised x number of dollars for a ministry program so every mile I ran was a certain amount of money in running the 26.2 miles and um, along about mile 22 or 23 I started getting a pain in my right foot and those of you who have been distance runners you know you can get out on a long run and something will start hurting And if you ignore ignore it long enough, it'll just go away. Well, this one didn't go away. In fact, it got more and more acute. But I had money on the line and I'd come too far and I wasn't going to stop. But I can remember on many of my long runs, hear me, brothers and sisters, many times in running a marathon, you have got to tell yourself to not quit. And it is a, it's like a battle. It's, it's intense, and you're, you're wanting to stop. You're wanting to quit, happens to football players. And on that run, I was like, I, I can't quit. But I, I began to labor more and more and more and more, and and I slowed my pace way down. But I was like, I, I, I can't stop. I have to finish this race. And so I finished it and Candace and the family and some extended family were there at the finish line down by the old Turner Field, and I limped myself to the car, and I realized this thing, something as serious has happened. And what was it? First time in my life at, what, 31 years old, I think I was, 34 years old, something like that. Half my age, long time ago when I could run. And uh, they had to take me to the hospital. The third metatarsal in my foot, I had broken it. It was a stress fracture, but I had pressed on and made it through. There's some of you here today, there's things that, there's pain that you're having to negotiate with. Some of you football players, the longer you play football and you get into the older, more advanced years of playing football, there's going to be moments where your coach will have to pull you out to help you find a pace where you can make it, but you've got to overcome fatigue. Some of you in your marriage, your marriage is fatigued. Some of you in your walk with Jesus, you're just exhausted. And many of us right now, and I'm speaking to some people in this morning, I, in, the, in this room this morning, I know we've got squads suddenly happening, and some of you are here for the first time, and you, and you weren't planning for a message to get up in your grill. You, you weren't planning to hear from God, but the Lord wants you to know that you're here by design. Your kid may be a cheerleader, but your marriage is exhausted. You, 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 were, you just wanted to come here, and get the t-shirt. This is how we kick off the football season. But the Lord is here to let you know he's in your corner. Don't quit, don't throw in the towel. There's hope for that marriage. You may be here dealing with financial stuff. There may be bankruptcy. There may be an industry or the job you've had for 25 years, it looks like it's coming to an end. And you're just fatigued. I wasn't planning on all this in the first service, but I feel the Holy Spirit would have me encourage somebody. Don't quit. God is in your corner. He can help you. Tell yourself, encourage yourself in the Lord do what David did somebody needs to say it out loud right now everybody needs to say it I'm not going to quit just say it you need to say it louder than that hold up a second has anybody had to talk yourself in your life out of quitting before y'all are not with me this morning I mean, I have to do it regularly. I have to pump myself up. And the scripture tells us how to, say it loudly. I'm not going to quit. Say it. Quit. Tell somebody, I'm not going to quit and I'm not going to let you quit. Come on. I hear you. Now, First Samuel 30, verse 6. I don't have time to get all the way down in on this and explain it. But I want us to, I want to put some, a, a few verses of Scripture in your spirit this morning so that you can meditate on them, and it will bring life and direction and strength for you. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, moreover, David was greatly distressed. He was a king. The people spoke of stoning him, for all the people were embittered, each one because of his sons and daughters. Do- there was a... There was a war going on and he had their sons and daughters involved. They didn't like it. The Bible says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Psalm 42 verse five. Again, we see David. we saying to himself, why my soul are you downcast? Why are you depressed? Why are you so oppressed and worried? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And there's a reward if you can work through that temptation to quit. Paul said in Galatians 6, you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. Daniel chapter 7, verse 25. Daniel sees, listen, the end times, the last days that we are living in right now. Verse 25, he says this about Satan. He shall wear out the saints of the most high God. Brothers and sisters, hear me. We need some stick-to-itiveness. Do you know that stick-to-itiveness is now a word in the dictionary? It means dogged determination. How many of you know sometimes it takes dogged determination to make it through a season when you want to give up. We need some stick-to-itiveness. Now, speaking about playing to the whistle, hear me. The average NFL game lasts three hours and 12 minutes, and the ball is in play for 11 minutes of action. The Wall Street Journal is the one that did the research, and Its analysis found that an average NFL broadcast spent more time on replays, 17 minutes, than on the plays. An average play lasts four seconds and the longest plays in most football games unless you're coaching six years old, six year old and it's an 80 yard run. Sometimes that's like 42 seconds. But the average high school College and NFL, the longest plays are from eight to 11 seconds. And so there's seasons and there's moments for us to win and to be victorious on the last whistle. We've got to be able to hyper-focus in those four-second segments, sometimes eight, nine, 10, 11 seconds. Now, I want to read a verse of Scripture that I think will speak to the Milton High School football feeder team, the Eagles. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. And may every one of us here today, may we have ears to hear what the Word says. A very familiar passage of Scripture says, But those who wait for the Lord, look what the Amplified Version says, who expect. Who look for, who look up, get it? Something good is going to happen to you. Y'all out there? Who expect, look for, and hope in. That's what it is to wait for. shall change and renew their strength and power. They shall lift their wings and mount up close to God as eagles mount up to the sun. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint or become tired. In Jesus' name, Lord, help us to trust in you, to wait on you, to put our hope in you that you will renew our strength and we will overcome the fatigue. We will not be taken out by the distractions, and we will know our assignment and fulfill it. 1982, you may have heard this story. Stephen Callahan was crossing the Atlantic alone in his sailboat when it struck something and sank. He was out of the shipping lanes and floating in a life raft alone. His supplies were few, his chances were small. Yet when three fishermen found him, 76 days later, the longest anyone has survived a shipwreck on a life raft alone, he was alive, much skinnier than he was when he started, but alive. His account of how he survived is fascinating. His ingenuity, how he managed to catch fish, how he fixed his solar still, evaporate seawater to, to make fresh water. It's very interesting. But the thing that catches my eye was how he managed to keep himself going when all hope seemed lost when there seemed no point in continuing the struggle, when he was suffering greatly, when his life raft was punctured, and after more than a week struggling with his weak body to fix it, it was still leaking air and wearing him out to keep pumping it up. He was starved. He was desperately dehydrated. He was thoroughly exhausted. Giving up would have seemed the only sane option. When people survive these kind of circumstances, they do something, he writes and tells us, with their minds that gives them the courage to keep going. Many people in similarly desperate circumstances give in or people go mad, insane. Something survivors do with their thoughts helps them find the guts to carry on In spite of overwhelming odds. I tell myself. I can handle it. Wrote Callahan in his narrative. Compared to what others have been through. I'm fortunate. I tell myself these things over and over and over. Building up fortitude. I can handle it. So. Here, coming to us from this extreme edge of survival are words that can give us strength this morning. Whatever you're going through, tell yourself you can handle it. Now, as a Bible-believing pastor from a small town in Virginia, I'll tell you, there's some things you can't handle that God is going to have to help you handle. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But you and God, this is why David encouraged himself in the Lord. Together, you can handle it. Psalm 42, verse 5, I'll read it one more time. David said, why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. He said, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. I want to ask you Milton football, family, coaches, players, and cheerleaders. In just a second, I'm going to invite you to come forward. And we're just going to pray a prayer of dedication over your season. We want to bless these coaches. And I want to say to all of you coaches, thank you for taking the time. I know there's no financial reward in doing it. You do it because you love the game and you love kids and you love your community. And may God bless these good men for teaching the life lessons that are going to be taught this year in this football program. Can I get a witness out there this morning? And so, we're thankful to you. And I'm going to pray that, that, God, will ju- that God will work in this program. Um, many of you may know, but I'm sure some of you don't, Milton High School football program is quite a special program. Played in the state championship game like two of the last three or four years. 7A program, perennial, top five, top ten program, just a couple miles away from us. So it's an honor for us to host you this morning. And um, before I bring you forward to pray, and I'm speaking to everybody in the room this morning, hear me. What you're striving for and preparing for is a trophy, But it'll pass away one day. What's most important is not that trophy. It's the trophy that will not pass away. It's called salvation. It's when we place our trust in God's gift of Jesus Christ. Jesus, our Savior. The only one who conquered death, hell, and the grave. Who went to the cross to pay the price for our sins. Not only did he go to the cross and pay the price for our sins, but he was buried. And three days later, he rose up from the tomb. He was resurrected. And it gives us the hope of a Savior who has power to resurrect us up from our life and give us new eternal life that will never pass away. If you're here this morning... As a football player, cheerleader, parent, or just a, a guest, or a long time attender, and you don't have the assurance of that crown that will last forever in just a second, I wanna invite you to surrender your life to Jesus Christ and accept Him, the revelation of God's love. How many of you are thankful for Jesus? Come on, how many of you are thankful for eternal life in Jesus? The difference maker in our lives. And so with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, would you stand with me? If you're here this morning and you don't have confidence that you are prepared for that final whistle that we never know when it will sound. But you don't have confidence that you are going to live forever because you've received God's gift of salvation In just a second, I want you to raise your hand. If you know the Lord, would you pray? This is a serious moment. Of all the moments that you'll have in your football season, this one right now is probably the most important as we kick it off. And so if you're here today, I'm going to count to three in just a second. And if you're standing in this room, you have any doubt that you're prepared for eternity, and you want to make sure you are by opening your heart up to the love of God in Jesus Christ. If you feel, you know what, I've done some things that I can't make right, God can help you. He can forgive you. He can come and give you life abundantly that never ends. In Jesus' name. If you're standing here today and you want that promise of the abundant life, on the count of three, I just want you to raise your hand in Jesus' name. Father, give us spiritual liberty and freedom in this room. Raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Just raise your hands. God bless you. God bless you. Many hands going up. I want to, isn't this beautiful? Can somebody just give God praise? Isn't this beautiful? We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. I want to ask everybody if you'll just say this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus. Come on, everybody say it out as if it's your your prayer. Say it. Lord Jesus, I come to you. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I place my trust in you. I accept you as God's gift to me, my Savior, my Redeemer. Come on, my Deliverer. My King, change me, Lord, from the inside out. I surrender to you. Show me your love. Reveal to me your plan for my life. Help me to be an overcomer, a difference maker, a world changer, to bring light and hope in dark and depressed places. In Jesus' name I pray. Come on, can everybody give the Lord praise this morning? Thank you, Lord. I wanna ask all of you cheerleaders, coaches, all of you players, if you guys will just move out, come right down here. We're gonna give you guys a prayer to bless your season. Whatever your age, whatever your grade is that you're playing football. I want you to come on up and join us tell me what's your name right here grant come right here i want you to just basically my whole sermon or point number two was this right here shut up and train can somebody say amen grant what position do you play receiver i see why hold your hands up let me see all the way up yeah that's why you're a receiver give it up for grant What, what grade are you guys in? you going in to play sixth grade football? What position do you play? Running back? Oh, shoot. You get it. Everybody knows your number. Everybody, you get all the glory, all the praise, get to carry the ball. Who blocks for this guy right here? Come up here. You're the one we need to see. What position do you play? Center. Center. You've got to get it to the QB at the right time without fumbling it, right? What's your name? Nate. Nate, what's your last name? Link. Hey, Nate Link, if you never get called your number this season, we're going to start with an offensive lineman, number 60. And it's not a holding penalty. It's not offsides. It's it's not unsportsman. It's a pretty good start. Nate Link, number 67. Come on, ladies and gentlemen. Awesome. Come on up here. Tell her by your name, Denton Carter, ladies and gentlemen. Army, right? Yes, retired army. Retired army man of God. Come on over here, Denton. Denton has been in service with us. He has written books. This is a great man of God. Spent years in the army, and um, is retired now. Lives here in North Atlanta. You even moved up to Forsyth County, didn't you? Ah, uh, yes, I did. And you drive all the way down here to pour in. How many days a week?
1: Well, I drive down here a lot, but you don't know this. But I'm now going to be the FCA for this
0: area. FCA director for yes. this area. Yes, sir. How awesome is that? <laughs> That's awesome. Yes, Listen, I want you to pray a prayer over this season, and then I'll wrap us up and pray over all of you, all yes. you coaches. Yes.
1: If you bow your heads with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you with holy boldness, asking that you continue to place your hand on every player, every coach, every parent, every influence that these players and athletes and cheerleaders and coaches were encountered, Father. We ask that you continue to allow your grace to be upon them, that they could be able to shine, not just to show who they are, but to be a representation of who you are So they can see that it's cool to be a football player and to represent Jesus Christ, that it's cool that I can do the right thing being represent Jesus Christ. Father, we ask that anybody who is going through anything throughout the season that's going on right now, that they can lift it up to you right now, God, because we know that you are the finisher of our faith and you can solve any issue that we have before us. Father, we see how the world is going, but we will stand firm saying that we will follow you. And Father, we ask for a special prayer that as they go through the season, that there's no serious injuries, that there is nobody that will be hurt enough that they cannot participate. But Father, most of all, we ask that as we go through the year, that somebody will see one of these many, many children and say, I want to follow Jesus just like you so father we say thank you for everything that you have done and what you're going to do and everybody says we give you honor we give you glory and we say thank you in jesus mighty name and we all say amen amen
0: Amen. and father i pray over these coaches every one of them that you would use them for the time that they give and sacrifice these kids, this football program, I pray, Lord, you would return it in their fu- in their families, with their own children, in their marriages, their professional pursuits. We pray that you would bless them. And I especially thank you this morning for Denton, for Coach Brent. I pray, Lord, that you would keep your grace on their lives, use them in a magnificent way. And I pray over this season for these players, these cheerleaders. What's about to happen the next three months plus? They're spending so much time together. You're going to make them a family. And I pray for those who have received you. Come on, brothers and sisters. I pray, Lord, for these sons and daughters of yours, that you would reveal your love to them in many ways, Lord God. Seal them, according to Ephesians 1.14. Seal them by your spirit. Put people in their lives to point them to you, to encourage them in their faith. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. 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 Now may the Lord bless all of you, keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you. May he lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name. Everybody say, I receive it. God bless you all. Have a great afternoon, a wonderful week.